This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome in to the Boys and Girl Podcast with Cowboys NFL Network reporter Jane Slater and NFL Network producer Bobby Belt. A Cowboys community with the inside scoop on the Dallas Cowboys. Now, coming straight to you from the Lone Star State, here's Jane and Bobby. It is heads. Dallas is deferred. Deferred. You want to kick? No, no, no. You don't want to yeah, kick. kick. You want to defer. Which, which go? You'll defend this end. Very good. Do you think he got that, babe? Because if they I, say I'm kick, trying, then I'm, trying the, to, I'm trying to listen. If they say kick, then the Rams would have their option in, would, if, in, if, in the second half. Yeah, but I don't know. I didn't. I couldn't hear. So well, he said. Dak I said say, we want to kick. Dak said we want to kick. And, and then that technically, I if think, that's all that was said, technically, which is not a technicality, this is what would happen. The Rams will get their choice in the second half. Well, Bobby, we've done uh, how many podcasts now in this three-game losing streak? Six. Yeah, we have six focused or seven. on. Uh, a team that couldn't beat a winning opponent, a team that struggled with miscommunication, a team that couldn't get on the same page and play complimentary football. And after that start to the game, the miscommunication, which is the craziest thing that I've ever witnessed or waited for the league to make a decision or the Cowboys to communicate that to the league, we literally went into the half not knowing who was going to receive the ball. It was fun. I had uh, I was over talking to our friend R.J. Ochoa from blogging the boys right before half, and he before they were about to come out of the tunnel, he goes, "Oh, oh, real quick, uh, what do you want? Let's make a bet. What do you are they going to get the ball or not? Like, I mean, that was the kind of discussion. But it was like, are they going to get it? This will be like a fun little surprise coming out of halftime, and it was really confusing. The thing it reminded me of a little bit, uh, not nearly the same with the call, but. There was a game years ago, I don't know if you remember, where uh, I think it was Thanksgiving, the Steelers were playing the Lions, and it went into overtime, and Jerome Bettis called heads, and the referee flips it and goes, all right, it is tail or it is heads, so Lions, you win, and then Jerome Bettis is going, I called heads, and he goes, no, you called tails. He goes, no, I said, and it was this mass confusion, and I think Pittsburgh won the game, and it didn't end up mattering, but it was a big deal at first, where it's like, how can you not understand what the call was, and it, it had that same sort of weird feeling. Well, and to peel the curtain back, you and I are sitting in the press box, Judy Batista, a reporter that I respect immensely who works for the NFL network and, you know, has ridiculous connections with the league and the league office. I'm turning to her going, wait, I'm confused. I'm going to play back the audio that I just saw. I'm going to play back the video. What are you seeing here? And then of course, Fox goes on the broadcast and they play this. It is heads. Dallas has won the toss. Go defense. Defense. We want to kick it. Kicking it that way. You want to kick? We defer the second half. Yes. Okay, you're going to kick. So I walk into the locker room. You and I had talked during that time. Somebody told Dak, kick it. Yeah, that was that was one of the things when you were playing the audio that we were talking about. It's like somebody there next to him, one of the other four guys is saying, kick it. So and that's what's causing this bizarre exchange. So sometimes when you ask questions of players in the locker room, there are instances where they give you a response that you aren't expecting. Demarcus Lawrence was standing right next to Dak Prescott while they're at the field. And literally, one of my favorite things, and if you're listening to this podcast, go back and watch the video. Johnny Hecker, the punter for the Rams, his face says it all. He sees the confusion and he's laughing because he's going, you guys are going to screw yourselves here, right? It was hilarious. It was pretty funny. to watch. I mean, I've watched it probably six or seven times. So I go up to Demarcus Lawrence and I say, Demarcus, you were there for the confusion. What happened? 
and what he said absolutely floored me. What did you think of uh, the coin toss? You were right there next to Dak. Well, it was my fault, um, actually. Um, you know, I wanted the defense to go out first. Um, felt like, you know, we had a lot of energy, you know, went to get it off our chest and you know, we had something to prove, especially um, after that playoff loss. So um, it's time to get down and dirty, and, you know, the guys came out ready to play today. Well, where was the confusion in the coin toss? You were right there. Well, we was going to uh, receive the ball, but I told him to uh, kick it, defer it. So, but once you say kick, I think uh, that means you're kicking off and you got to kick off the second half. I don't know, but we, we were supposed to say defer. So, uh, you know, that was the look, uh, you know, confusion, but it's all good. Now, I haven't gotten clarity on this how can any player go up there as they're doing the coin flip and just arbitrarily decide, I know we came in here ready to receive the ball, but make a change. I'm feeling it. Defer. Yeah, I mean, it, it did. The way he described it did kind of have the sound of like um, like somebody with a gambling problem. Like, you know, I, I'm feeling it. More bet. I'm going to put put the bet down. Like, I, I'm feeling snake eyes here. You know, uh, hit me. I'm feeling it. Like, it was just... It was weird how DeMarcus Lawrence said it, but I mean, that's, and, and not to be overly critical of DeMarcus Lawrence, but I will say that, you know, we heard the Mike Garofalo report that, you know, they've really missed Tyrone Crawford. That was their veteran, like really, uh, you know, smart, savvy guy. And you know this, like Tyrone Crawford was the guy, I know you've had experiences where Tyrone Crawford has walked up to guys you're talking to and said, stop talking, like yes. shut up. <laughs> he kept guys in line. And even DeMarcus Lawrence will say Tyrone Crawford was the guy that they would ride bikes together. Yeah. To the facility so they could They're keep their weight Boise down. Guys. They've and got that connection. He was always holding guys accountable. And, and D-Law said, I maybe, just last week, said at a charity event, I maybe haven't been the leader I should be, you know, stepping up and being that guy. So and, maybe in that moment, he and, thought he and, was being a leader. Or something. And I think that's just another symptom of, okay, a little over-aggressive, a little bit too much of fun D-Law here. We need to just execute a coin flip please let's keep comments to ourselves but he but just, as we're he shouts si- out kick it and Dak looks over and goes kick it and then and the ref goes you're kicking it. and then it's no deferred he goes you're kicking and it was the most bizarre like you've never seen confusion on what are we doing here like right out of we've only had like uh, it's three o'clock we've had 15 hours to prepare today for what we're gonna say receive or defer and DeMarcus just blurts out kick it and so after all that confusion, Bobby, then we go to the new kicker because we've talked about this. They have the tryouts. They decide to hold on to Brett Maher. He has another stinker. And then they finally are like, that's it. Like, we've got to move on. So they bring in Kai Forbath, a guy that was here in 2011 as a rookie and has been all around the league since. Mainly Washington. And yeah, it's so right out of the gate. He kicks the ball out of the bounds. And right after it happened, I like Jane and I sit next to each other in the press box, obviously. And like right after the kick goes out of bounds, I like leaned over to Jane. and I was like, that just this feels like we're going to like get on the podcast tomorrow and say like, well, it started there and it was all downhill and terrible. For It just had the feeling of one of those things of like, oh, gosh, it's going to be this kind of day. It's going to get ugly. And, and he has he's got a serious hook to that kick because he kicked it left out of bounds. His first field goal, he's lining up and and it hooked a little and when he's kicking the extra point the kicker can choose on extra points if they're going to kick in the middle or which hash they want and he kicks from the right hash i think probably because he recognizes how much that hooks but uh i, I think that my golf game has a similar problem i think that'll uh i think that's going to cause some some fun anxiety for cowboys fans uh, but i mean to be fair he, he nailed all his kicks yesterday three for three he was uh Two for two between in, in the forty yard range. Yep, and it was interesting is uh, Matt uh, Gelkin, Michael Gelkin, Michael Gelkin, who we uh, had on this podcast a few weeks ago, had this fun fact: Maher was one of five from forty to forty nine in thirteen games. Kai Forbath has made more field goals in the forty to forty five range in his debut than Brett Maher had all season. Yeah, pretty pretty terrible. I, I mean, look, here was the thing, and I don't want to be too critical of Brett Maher because. It's the kicking position. It's been done for a week. The guy's out of a job. That's unfortunate. But you know what is, I and I like Brett Maher. I, I thought he was a nice guy, but he's, you know, he was, that was his MO though. He was the weapon. He had the big cannon leg. He could always keep you, you know, his value was, 
you, late in the game, you need to get into field goal position. You didn't have to get that extra 10 or 15 yards for him to be potentially in range. And so there, there were benefits to him. But, yeah, you, you would like some more consistency inside of 50, and hopefully that's what you can get from Kai Forbath. Well, and I always, when, when everyone starts talking about the kickers, I think a lot of uh, the poor kicker for the Chicago Bears last year, remember? Oh, he yeah, essentially Cody cost Parkey. them their season. Yeah, I, I mean, And you, people were cussing him out. And, and my argument was that goes to the front office then. That goes to the GM. I mean, yeah. if you keep a liability that you know is a liability on your team and you don't go and try and find a replacement, then that's on you guys. I don't know if I'm putting that completely on the player at that point. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's not a fun life being a kicker when you're a badass at it. Nobody really seems to care. And, uh, you know, you can be a guy like famously Scott Norwood, the kicker for the Bills in the early 90s, who shanked that 48-yard field goal in the Super Bowl. Oh, gosh. And... He had been a good kicker up to that point, and he is just, that's all he's remembered for is he shanked what at the time was a difficult kick. A lot of people weren't making 48-yard kicks regularly in the NFL back in 1990, but, you know, it's it's a tough life for a kicker. Dan Bailey felt it leaving here, and now he's gone on and found success in Minnesota and has seemed to calm down. It's it, To me, being a kicker is a lot like being a, a reliever in Major League Baseball. Like, it feels like you have no clue from year to year if the reliever or kicker is going to be good like they'll be great one year and then the next year they can't do anything one of my favorite shows that i watched recently is you you know how much i adore mike leach i just think he's fascinating and what a gift if i would ever cover him in the nfl but there was a show it's 24 it's 24 7 college football on hbo mm-hmm. and there was like this just brief part about the kickers we're on our own island i've talked to coach leach personally five or six times and that's it. It's, he's, he's out there with the offense, and he just kind of lets me be. He says, go do your thing. That's essentially what you want from your kickers. Leach doesn't even know half their names. He doesn't pay attention to them. <laughs> you don't want to know the names or pay attention to them. You just want them to be automatic. You've got a lot of other things to focus on. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And for the Cowboys to bring this full circle, that was getting their offense and defense on the same page playing complimentary football. And we certainly saw that. Uh, and their win, 44-21 over the Rams. If there was a game this year that we would have looked at and thought, all right, this is where they're going to get their act together, this would not have been it. Like, I would not have anticipated hungry, needing to win Rams coming to town who are finally hitting their stride versus Cowboys who are a mess and really don't need this win. That would not have been the game that I would have expected them to kind of put it all together, but they did. And they rallied around these veterans, Jason Witten spiking the ball for the you know first time in 16 years, according to him, says he's going to need to call his granddaddy and apologize, but said, you know, I, I felt I needed to give a spark and you know the Sean Lee game was fantastic we interviewed him after the game and you need to if you're listening to this you need to go find the interview Jane did with him because like we get this shot we pan down look at his uniform there's blood all over his pants and he he left it all on the field and he said as much said you know I needed to step up and and really needed to make an impact today and here's that interview all right before we get going can we just look at your uniform right now it looks like you uh this really sort of personifies what the box score looked like for you. You've been playing in this league for 10 years. This was your first game with an interception and sack. You missed three straight days of practice. What got into you? You know, we needed to step up as a defense, and personally, I needed to step up. The last three weeks, we hadn't played like we want to play, and we really thought our identity was at, was, uh, at, was a threat. You know, we weren't playing like we wanted to. We weren't running the ball, and we finally stepped up and played the way we wanted to play. All right, walk me through this play. Second and 14, 132 to go. When you had that interception, 
What were you seeing there? Was that from all of that tape that we see you studying, like in the Amazon Prime video, All or Nothing? No doubt. I mean, that's tape. It's my coaches. It's kind of understanding the situation, the route concepts that they'd like to run, and, and being able to get a great break on the football and, and see the quarterback. And then afterwards, trying to get the ball as close uh, to the goal line as I could. It's one of those things where you put that hard work in mentally and physically, and hopefully you sh- it shows up. We saw you sort of selfishly, selflessly allow Leighton Van Der Esch to shine last year. Obviously, he hasn't been here because of the neck injury. You stepped up once again this year. How good does it feel to see you invigorate your teammates the way that you did today? Every single play you made, the team was so into it. You felt like it was a spark? Well, I've just been so blessed to be around this group, and they've stuck with me through a lot of tough times, through a lot of injuries, through games that I missed that I wish I played. And I just wanted to come back this year and help any way I could and try to help us win football games. Um, And and, and that's what what I was able to do today. But I know, you know, we have more ahead of us. We have more wins we want to, we have bigger things we want to do. So it's a great win, but we want to move on to the next and keep going. How big is this game for you guys as you get ready to play Philadelphia next weekend? Well, it's always a big game, obviously, when you play a division rival, but it's big. End of the year, both of us trying to get in the playoffs. We know it's a big game. And we got to embrace that. Yeah, I just I was so impressed with Sean Lee because I had reached out to him because I was interested in doing a sit down piece. The student becomes the teacher, mm-hmm. and the piece was the was Sean Lee, this guy that you know I was there. What was it? OTAs when he came off the field and injured himself, and all the media was out there, mm-hmm. and yep. it was it was hard to watch. We were at Valley Ranch back then, yeah, and. There's been so many years where he's done the work in the off season, and you know we even talked about it this year at Cowboys camp. All the players, you know, typically ride the plane out to Oxnard. He has a place out in Santa Barbara where he and his wife stay, and he flew all the way home to Dallas just to get on the flight <laughs> and fly all the way back because he wanted to be part of the team. You saw the all or nothing special where it's New Year's Day and shot. Uh, to Sean Lee, one of the last guys up here at the facility, and it's like the saddest thing you've ever seen. Yeah, fi- final shot. Final shot. Season's over, There's and he's still in there doing film work with the season over. And I don't believe, Sean Lee's not the type of guy, He might I add, he turned down the piece. He wasn't interested in, in doing this piece where it was the student becomes a teacher in the way that, because he doesn't like the spotlight. No. And so I don't believe, like in the all or nothing special, that that was a setup shot of him no, I think and the crew was there. They saw it. They're like, wow, that's sort of intriguing. I don't feel like that was no, I don't think the it, producer saying, hey, Sean, we know you love film. Let's get this sad shot. He's not the type of guy that agrees to that. No, this wasn't the Hills or real world or something where you're, you know, asking the cast to be in a certain position so you can get the shot. It, one of the things I really remember from All or Nothing, I think it was it was definitely later in the season, but Sean was battling injuries and, and one of the coaches was talking to him and saying, you know, hey, I don't know that we want to push this, talking about his injury. And he got a little annoyed, and it's one of the things that really stands out to me about All or Nothing. He said, quit trying to get me not to play. And it was very stern. It was like, knock it up. He loves the game of football. He really does. And he's one of the smartest guys when it comes to football. And I I just, I, I really... You remember it was last year you were talking to Rod Marinelli about him, and he got a little choked up, and he said, you guys appreciate this. Y'all don't understand what a special player you're covering. You need to appreciate this, because when he's gone you're going to miss it. And, it's and true. And that's it, it why I really, wanted to do this piece because it felt like last year was going to be a swan song. You could sort of feel the writing on the wall. And it was interesting. I had an NFC East team inquire about Sean Lee and his situation in Dallas. And, you know, I said, look, it's no different than what I've reported. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously Leighton Van Der Esch has been, been able to shine. And I had someone say to me, if he becomes available, I want that guy. We're going to go after him. There's a lot and instead, of- Sean came to this facility and he and his agent worked out a contract that would allow him to come back. And might I point out, they didn't want the details of that to ever get out. He just, again, wanted to do this yeah. his way. He didn't want it to be a distraction. He didn't want it to look like he took a hometown discount or whatever that contract was. And that's why I respect Sean Lee. There, there's a lot of value in... He could have started somewhere else there, this year. There, there, there's a lot of... Uh, here's the thing, and I, I've said this. There are a lot of people who are upset with Randall Cobb and some of the way he's played this year with some of the drops that he's had. I think overall he's been, I think he's been a, a great an important addition. piece. But yeah. here, here's the bigger thing that I said, and this is what kind of got some pushback on Twitter. But I said, you know, like, I really hope the Cowboys find a way to bring back Randall Cobb because you really genuinely... I, I don't think people understand 
the nature of chemistry and the locker room and how important that is to what they're going to do on the field. And Randall Cobb has been such a key cog as, as a veteran leader in there and I think has done a lot to really foster some positivity on offense and, and really helps. Sean Lee's that guy on defense, and I think that you really need those guys. And so, you know, when you hear about teams that are, you know, asking about Sean Lee and stuff, it's because other teams recognize – even if he's not the same player he once was or, or they don't know that he can stay healthy, there's value in that guy being in your locker room. Your trash is another team's yes. treasure. And yes. he would, would 100% have been somebody else's treasure this year. And so I thought it was fascinating that he had the game that he did after missing three days of practice. And, you know, these guys hear it. I'm sure Sean Lee's not a big social media guy. He doesn't strike me as one of those. No. But he knows the narrative out there about the fact that he hasn't always been as healthy as he'd like to be. But it's not for a lack of effort. You know, we've talked over the years, he's, you know, tried to get over the hamstring issues and doing things in the off season to get better. And so that's why I really was looking forward to talking to him after a game uh, and just how measured and deliberate he is truly one of the most intense players that I've ever interviewed or watched. One of the what when I think of Sean Lee and I reflect back on my time covering the Cowboys, I'll always remember being at training camp and there's this poor guy. I don't know if he's an equipment manager. What is what does that guy do? <laughs> I don't know what you know. Guy. I'm referencing the guy that's always sort of running around grabbing the football. Oh and yeah, he's yeah, got yeah, the yeah, out. yeah, yeah. Just yeah, one of the equipment guys. This poor guy didn't have the dummy in the right spot, and Sean Lee lit him up, eviscerated him at practice one day because he wasn't in the position that he wanted him to be on this dummy. He just literally sort of turns into this Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. When he's on the football field, he's insane. And then when he's away from it, he's, he's like sort of this super measured, kind, super kind, uh, thoughtful. I, I, I think whenever anybody's seen an interview with him or heard an interview with him, he's always, he's generally kind of gentle and, and a little soft-spoken and, and really thoughtful. And, and you wouldn't have any clue that like earlier in uh, OTAs this year, they're out there and Jordan Lewis gets flagged during a drill for pass interference. And every other word out of Sean Lee's mouth is an expletive. And he's looking at the <laughs> sideline and going, we can challenge that this year, right? Throw the flag on that. And uh, he's super intense. And that was just an OTA's practice. That's all. Some, of, that my, is some of my Lee. favorite battles used to be Sean Lee and DeMarco Murray. In practice, a, those it it two, may surprise people. Sean's a talker on the field. Oh, yeah. He talks a lot. So, yeah. And to have him have the game that he did, and, you know, his nickname around here is the general. You could just see it on the sidelines. And then even today, people reacting to some of the highlight videos. That spin move that he put on those Rams yeah. players and how many it took him took to take him down, I, I just thought was big. And, you know, we yeah. can also talk about Jason Witten's game. Yeah, well, and uh, before going to Witten, I do want to say, like, when you talk about how important it is, take Dak Prescott, the guy who's the, the head of the team, in his press conference yesterday, he says, the Sean Lee interception was, he said, that's probably, if you had a camera on me, he said, that's the most excited I've ever been about a play in football in my life. And he said, because I, I love seeing that. And Jordan Lewis talking afterwards saying, like, that's our captain. We love seeing that. We love that. And so, yeah, I think there was a lot of joy about Sean Lee's game and then additionally about Jason Winton's game and talking about how he spikes the ball. And he, you know, like we mentioned that he said he's never done that, but he wanted to bring the juice. And I think. Well, and I think he was hearing the narratives out there, too, that. Yes. Why is he getting more playing time? Because I was told heading into the season that there was sort of a divide in this building mm -hmm. because they liked what they were seeing from Blake Jarwin. I mean, just look at the final game against the Giants when Jarwin had, what, three touchdowns in that game? Yeah, and I mean, he, he's made a lot of big plays this year. He's an athletic player. He's ex he's an exciting player. And so the argument has been, is Jason Witten on the field prohibiting the development, once again, of the younger tight ends behind him? The biggest problem when Jason Witten left was they hadn't quite developed any younger talent behind right. him because he was always on the football field. You've got to think that our guy Witten heard some of that, and you can't argue that that was a tremendous catch. It was almost across the body, right hand catch. It was behind him. Yeah, he just he he kind of and he said and after like the game stuck on the glove, and he said after the game that uh, you know you always do those tennis ball drills, which for people who don't know, a lot of receivers will do these drills where you're just kind of throwing tennis balls at you know various points. Or you're supposed to kind of just react and catch the ball with one hand and. He said, you always do those tennis ball drills, hoping they, you know, have an impact on the game. And uh, there it was. And so it was, it was, you know, moving to his side, having to reach back and just sticking his palm out and catching it. And he was pumped up. He was excited. And I, I think that was rejuvenating for the whole roster because I think 
the players in that locker room, the young players in that locker room, they all really respect Jason Witten. They all really respect Sean Lee. And, I mean, those are your two really long-standing veterans on both sides of the ball. So for them to be such big pieces of this coming together and this bounce back, I think really does a lot to kind of help, as Zeke said, the morale. As he said after the game, our morale was low, and I think that was a big boost to morale to see those guys being a big part of what they were doing. And look, we just sound more excited in this podcast talking about this game because, as I said, I think we've done six or seven of these where we're talking about a change in coaching. We believe that there's talent on this roster, Mm -hmm. that they haven't been able to put it together. Why is that happening? Why has defense been as abysmal as they've been? What has happened to the run game? And it seems as though, you know, as Jerry Jones said it yesterday in the postgame, it's just what the doctor ordered. It is crazy, though, when you think about just the identity of this team, the passing game, the deep shots. Those are the exciting plays, right? We've Mm -hmm. seen it from Randall Cobb. We've seen it from Michael Gallup. We've seen it from Amari Cooper. It was wild to me that combined, you saw over 300 uh, yards of total offense from rookie Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. And then the Cowboys, when you look at their receiving core, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Randall Cobb combined for 22 yards on three catches. And that's partly because Randall Cobb's one catch went for negative three yards. Would have been 25 if it was just Coop and Gallup. But uh, yeah, no, it was. But we're not factoring in Tavon Austin. I mean, who who had a big play and a big play against his former team. And, uh, you know, remember how how chippy he was when they made that trade? Yeah. Yeah. And it was a trade, right? He didn't. Yeah. yeah, He was was traded here around the draft. And I remember him coming in and, and. you know, we've seen dynamic plays from him in training camp, right? Yeah. It's he, just- he, last year, uh, Sunday Night Football, he had the big touchdown catch to open the game against the Giants. He's You see it at times. He is explosive. and, and it's But we see him typically, I think the fans see him on special teams. Mm-hmm. And he's not exactly giving you a lot there. No, and then, of not course, right there now. was the fair catch situation with the Vikings a couple of weeks ago that led to questions about accountability from Jason Garrett. So... I think he probably appreciated the fact that he got that done. I know Jason Garrett is a huge fan of Tavon Austin. Was probably excited that he had that for himself they, as well. They they love they love that Tavon Austin can give you those explosive plays, you know, from time to time. But again, one of the big things locker matters. Locker culture matters. That is a guy that is in his short time here, a year and a half. Everybody in the locker room loves Tavon Austin, from coaches to players. Everybody, he is such a, a fun guy. He's always smiling. I remember, I had, you know, approached him in the locker last year. And I said, I just really appreciate how excited you get during the games. I just want to say that. And he said, Yeah, people always ask me, you know, why I'm always smiling. He said, If if you know where I come from, you'd be smiling too to be in this position. And so he's just. It, it was a good day for a lot of good people. I think you know to see Jason Witten and Sean. It was it was an uplifting game. And when you go into that locker room post game. We had said, you know, they don't need this game for their playoff chances, but when you see how relieved everybody was and how happy everybody was in the locker, they definitely needed that game. Because, look, when you're around this team and you cover them as much as we do, you feel for them because you, you, it's not this team that's, like, given up on each other or given up on themselves, so you saw it there, but it was almost like, why can't you guys get it together against some of these teams that you, in theory, should... Beat, but then, of course, you look at the Buffalo Bills, the way they played. They're now in the playoffs. Yep. Um, you look at the Patriots. You know, that's that's one of the – then you look at the Vikings, the way they've kept their stuff alive. I mean – Really, just the last three weeks have been before this game. We're really the only disappointing stri- – when you look at some of the other games they lost, they were losing close games. But I, I think that overall, they – you have to believe in their ability to hang with some of these teams. It's just been in the last three weeks where people are kind of like, all right, what's happening? This is kind of entering disaster territory. Because like the Rams on Sunday, you almost couldn't afford to lose. Not so much about the mathematical equation. They couldn't afford to lose because the morale was beginning to slip. And when their backs were against the wall and their coach was on the hot seat, they weren't getting it done. And so you started to think, well, if that doesn't motivate you, what will uh, but we did see that turn against a really good football team. A, a you really can't good say, team that's hungry and that was hungry it. and needed it. And then against one of the league's brightest offensive minds and Sean McVay, all of a sudden Kellen Moore and Jason Garrett and staff, yeah, did, step up and dare and, I say they outcoached him? Yeah, I, I think you can say that. And I think I mean Jerry say, Goff wasn't having his best day. No, Todd and, Gurley incredibly limited. No, Cooper I, Cup was which, a we, non-factor. We didn't even get a chance to mention yet. 
a guy who stepped up early and was setting the tone and making some stuffing play. Good to see Antoine Woods back on the field and making plays that mattered early for setting the tone and stuffing Todd Gurley. And how about Xavier Suafilo? Yeah. Handling Aaron Donald the Every, way that he did. Everybody on that offensive line stepping up, but I, I think especially Suafilo is the one that would catch people off guard knowing what type of players the Rams have on the interior. So, I mean, really a great game all the way around. And like I said, you could you could feel it in the locker room post game. They were happy. They were like genuinely happy that they had won this game and, and kind of turned it. And it wasn't the... I know we kind of wondered if they were going to be a little... Uh, you know, a little full of themselves when we walked in. Like, it wasn't that. It was just genuine, like, we're happy. We're so glad that we won this game. Let's take this. Let's build on this. It felt there was a sense of humility. Mm-hmm. There was a sense of relief. And there was a, 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 a feeling of true optimism. And I got to tell you, I might be guilty of this. Oh, no. We're about, way- to bring, we're about to bring Mike Fisher in here, and we'll we'll have to the see The way that Jerry down. Jones walked into that locker room after the Bills loss and came out a different human than he was pre, uh, pre-Bills game and believed that adversity right, help, helps you write a hell of a comeback story, I may or may not have also entered that portal and believe that if this team continues to play the way they did against the Rams... Perhaps not just enter that portal. I want y'all to know she's responsible for planting the idea in Jerry's head. Because as Jerry's walking out of the locker room, we're going in there to interview Sean Lee. She goes, "Hey, Jerry, hell of a comeback story." And Jerry was all about it. <laughs> it was a little tongue in cheek, <laughs> but he appreciated I it. I said, "There's the redemption game. You believe in second chances." I'm just saying, if you look at the way the 49ers lost to the Falcons. You look at the way the Cowboys have played the Saints and the Saints have lost to the Falcons. Anybody in the NFC can be beat this year. That is true. I think there is a possibility that if the Cowboys, like I said, played the way that they did yesterday, there's a chance. And not only is there a chance that they can make a run, (laughs) prepare for the possibility. J.C. Garrett may come back. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. A guy that has some insight into the mind of Jerry Jones is my buddy Mike Fisher. Cowboy fans know him well. You can find him on Twitter at Fish Sports. And he's always what I call uh, this great storyteller as you get him onto the radio. Uncle Fish. Yes, these great nuggets are so easy to digest. Yeah, it's crowded in that Jerry Jones brain where we hang out, isn't it? It is, and you've covered him for 30 30 years. Yeah, far longer than I have. I'm not trying to date you, but what I'm saying is you have perspective on Jerry. Make sense of the emotional roller coaster that has been Jerry Jones over the last couple weeks as it applies to his head coach, Jason Garrett. I'm sure in real life, he's a good poker player. If we actually had cards, he could probably kill us in poker, I suppose. <laughs> but he's when it comes to truth and lies, he's a terrible poker player. You can see it right in his steely blue-gray eyes, what he really means. Uh, and, and I even think he enjoys the game. Uh, he, so he'll throw out an Easter egg. The other day, he's on 105.3 The Fan, and the question is about the Oklahoma coach, Lincoln Riley. And he gives an answer about Matt Rule of Baylor. <laughs> why? Well, there's a, there's a reason why. Because, because he's interested in Matt Rule of Baylor, too. So he throws the Easter egg out. He thinks it's fun. He's, he swears on the radio, fully knowing that you can't swear on the radio, but he does it anyway on purpose. I just think, I think one of the great things about Jerry, and not everything's great about him, but one of the great things about Jerry is the, the entertainment value that he brings to us, and as he's so entertained by himself, too. 
Well, I think and, that doubles up. <laughs> and to your point, he even, I loved his admission to Corey and Kevin on 105 through the fan that even him throwing out the cuss words, getting dumped, yeah. the things that he said. Uh, a little we got bit of some, controversy is always some, good. We got some mileage out of this. Yeah, yeah. All right. So where do you think he's at with Jason Garrett? You know, I had reported and we've talked about this, that there have been some real, I would say it's not a full-blown coaching search. It's due diligence. Look, it's a look and see. It's due diligence. It's surveying he, the landscape. He, he he baited the fishing pole. He wanted to see if he could get the big fish. He didn't necessarily get the big fish. Not this fish. No Not pun intended. <laughs> but in the absence of a Sean Payton and a Bill Belichick, could you see him really moving on from Jason Garrett after this season if they win a divisional game? You have to say publicly what what Jerry and Stephen even Stephen even more crisply has said, mm-hmm. which is no. You have to say that. We believe in Jason. We've always believed in Jason. We're always going to believe in Jason. That's what you have to say. But the idea of it's a coaching search but kind of not is is half pregnant. A coaching search is a coaching search. Even if you already have one that you love, if you're married and you love her, but you're thinking about cheating, you're thinking about cheating. It's almost cheating. Jimmy Carter would say it was cheating. Because okay. you had an affair of the heart. The, the, the Jones family is having an affair of the heart on Jason Garrett. This is going to be new for you because I know that you are, are happily married to Marsha and you would never download Bumble on your phone. I would not. Bumble is a dating app. Yes. <laughs> but this is the equivalent of them downloading Bumble and they're just looking to see what's in the area. They've set the parameters. They want... 24 to 36. They want blonde. They want <laughs> no, blue eyes. No, no, no. This, this is, no, because they have one. This is an Ashley Madison account that they've opened. They're looking for <laughs> ah, I, I do. I know what that is, too. I'm not naive. Uh, yeah. But I don't... I, here's where I'm coming from. This is... I, I'm just curious. I've started this prepare for the possibility. Yeah. Because he... I feel like he wants to see Jason Garrett get it done. He believes in the fairy tale. He believes in the storybook ending. Jason is his creation. And when Jason gets a win like he did, sort of this redemption game of sorts, 44-21 against the Rams, that against an offensive genius that led to them going and getting the Kellen Moore, he gets that done last night. They go on a run. And then let's just assume they were able to win the divisional championship. All right. Would he go out there and roll the dice and reboot next season when once again his guy has gotten him close again? What if his guy knows that the time's up. What if Garrett, as much as the Joneses, realizes 10 years is a long time to say the same message to the same building, to the same fan base? And I I think that's in the back recesses of Jason Garrett's mind, that Jason Garrett in Carolina might not be a bad idea. I'm glad you brought that up because I believe that he is going to go out there and his market value has begun to rise. And I think there's a part of him, maybe Brill saying to him, you know, Jason, we don't have kids in school here. We can pick up and move on. And what might it be like if we were unchained? They love New York. Right. As you know, just as a couple, they love New York. And he's got New York ties there, as she does. They went to school there. Um, Carolina is lovely in football season. Uh, there's- but, but, okay, so again, the interest, the excitement about Jason starts to grow. He starts winning some games. The players never left him. These other organizations are going, well, Jason Garrett's the type of guy we might like for our organization. Does Jerry get scared of losing him to an NFC East opponent? I say no. Hmm. Uh, if, if Jason Garrett beats me every once in a while because he's the coach of the Redskins, I can live with that. If I've gone out and replaced him who somebody for, by, with somebody who, for the time, is better. Uh, forget Bill Belichick, who's better. Forget even Sean Payton, although I'm not sure why we're so quickly forgetting Sean Payton. I know that your He's man. Locked in. Uh, oh, okay. Um, and, and NFL Network uh, and, and Ian Rappaport and you are all on this same page here. I believe you, but he was pretty locked in last year. He wasn't going anywhere last year, and you still called him and played footsie with him. There Why would you call him again? There was an assumption, I believe, on the Cowboys as as the way it was described to me that perhaps there was a buyout in his existing deal, right? And so. While they did a look-see, I think Sean also thought, eh, I got a lot of autonomy down here. Mrs. No ben- Mrs. Benson trusts him. So does Mickey Loomis. He and oh, Mickey- he's, the, he's the president of New Orleans. The golden God. No doubt. But, you know. That's Nick's- like Nick Saban trying to leave Alabama. Okay, but, but someday he might. 
I just don't think that it's was, today. That, that was, uh, just speaking of Saban, that's funny. That's, I think it's that's like a name. Bill Parcells thing. That, that, I think he comes here towards the end of his career. So do I. I think, I think Sean Payton comes here at the end of his career. That's my point. So do I. Pat, but, that, Pat, but Pat Doney brought that name up to me. That he said he thinks giving a call to Saban would make some sense. Saban's near, you know, he's up upper 60s. Maybe he's tired of the Alabama thing. They're starting, they're not nearly the team they, they were They lost a game this year, ago. I believe, you know. They're, they're, they're not in the college <laughs> football. They're not in the college <laughs> yeah. football playoff. And yeah. what does Nick Saban have left to check off his box except some success at the NFL? That's the only blemish on his record. And so Doney was sitting there saying that he wondered if, if when they cast that wide net, as I know you've used the term, why not just call? Why okay. not see? I wrote on CowboysSI.com that that my view of what their view should be is. Have you ever seen Jerry's house? It's the finest house. Have you ever met Jerry's wife, Jean? She is the finest person. She's literally the most flawless human you've ever met. Uh, uh, Jerry Jones somehow... This facility we're in, it's the finest practice facility. (laughs) It's the finest. His helicopter is the finest. His yacht is the finest. Why wouldn't you want the finest coach? Why would the one thing in your life that's not the finest be your coach? Because it's like the Texas Longhorns. A lot of people don't want that job either. Because there's so much meddling down at Texas. I always compare the Texas Longhorns to the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. But then then let Bill Belichick say no thanks. Now, see, here's where I, I do believe that if a Bill Belichick or Sean Payton or even a Nick Saban, for that matter, yep. came in, I believe Jerry and Steven might hands off. Because they respect that they don't have to micromanage this thing. You remember he was talking about the jelly? Yep. The jello? The jello. Right when you think you've got uh, one Ms. thing Jane, handed. It's like holding two fists of jello in your hands. Right when he gets one over here, held it and squeeze out the other end. He also uses the peas on a plate. You ever heard peas on a plate? Yes. My daddy used to tell me it's like trying to balance peas on a plate. Think about it. A bunch of peas on a plate. They don't, they don't balance. So, but it's his way of saying that I know better than everybody around here and I've got to micromanage. He might macromanage. Jimmy Johnson took one of the fistfuls of Jello. Correct. Bill Parcells took one of the fistfuls of Jello. Correct. Jason Garrett holds some of the Jello around here. So does Will McClay. So does Steven. I don't think uh, the the uh, Bill Belichick to Dallas or some of these other guys would ever get Jerry off the radio. No. But that's what they would prefer because then it doesn't look like one voice. You know, that's Aikman's big thing. And we, he and I talked the other day for like two hours. One, he, he's, he doesn't hate the Joneses. He's not anti-Cowboys. He just thinks one voice. He thinks the way that Jimmy Johnson did it, and you talking about one voice. When we say we're having a kicking tryout, we're having one. Well, because uh, Troy lived it. Troy lived right. the difference. Right. And Troy saw the difference. Whereas here, and Jane, Jane and Bobby, you guys were here every day for three weeks. We're having kicking trials. No, we're not. We're having tryouts. Yes, we are. We don't need tryouts. We're fine. My head sleeps fine when I it hits the pillow at night, says Brett Maher. After kicking balls out of bounds and sideways and off his own forehead, then they had a kicking tryout with three guys that are XFL kickers. And finally, they brought in Kai Forbath, who's an actual kicker. It took took him three weeks of dancing in circles because they didn't have one voice. Okay, but let me ask you this. You cover the Mavericks, too. Yes, ma'am. How much different is this than what Mark Cuban does with his team, too? For a long time, Mark Cuban was the general manager of the Mavericks. I mean, he. I remember when I covered the team, he's doing pregame interviews on his elliptic, on a stair-stepper, well, you're literally catching sweat. Yes. With I, I'm not kidding. Now you've well, noticed. No, I know. I've heard the story. Your mic there. <laughs> now you notice you didn't do and that. And he anymore. was heavily involved. And, and he's still heavily involved as the owner. But uh, but Donnie Nelson is the general manager, and Rick Carlisle runs the basketball team, and they're the better for it. The organization's better for it. Uh, but Rick has sort of earned that respect too. Here, right. Here's where I come down on this, though. I'd be more willing to believe that. Jerry's just not going to be able to walk away from Jason if we hadn't, you know, three years ago watched him walk away from Tony and two years ago watched him walk away from Des Bryant. And and those were battles that DeMarcus, he uh, lost uh, where D, he D, was the holdout. But guys, I, just, but guys yeah, I just keep coming back to the fact that the players still love him. If the players went to Jerry, because Jerry's got that open line of communication with a lot of his guys, if the players came to Jerry like they came to him and said, Des isn't working, or I think there were some people who, God forbid, I create blasphemy here. I think there were some people that maybe said Tony wasn't gelling with all the players right. in the locker room the way that Dak did. All true. Which is very fair. I don't think there's any players going to Jerry and saying Tony's not, or Jason's the reason that we're being held back. Do you think Jason Witten and Sean Lee are going to Jerry and saying that? But no. Jane, I, but Jane, I, may, I, may I interject? Don't go to the players. The owner doesn't go to I the agree, players. But he does. You then, know that. But don't. That that's that's their department. 
That's Your department's see, over here. But see, I think he looks at it just the way that he looks at when he puts Pepsi products and all of the the businesses around here. He's talked about it when he's out in the street. He's getting feedback from people. There's no question. I, I, I think he gathers but, feedback from everybody. So do I. But Big maybe ears. Some, maybe sometimes too much feedback. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, your your quarterback room also loved Wade Wilson, and you fired him two years ago, and Dak Prescott wouldn't have said Wade Wilson was the problem either. And I, I think that's that, actually a pretty. Good I, I think he's. I think he's made those decisions before. But you know, and to that idea, I think this is the the interesting thing that regardless of what they do with this, you, you saying that you shouldn't go to the players, that probably not. But you know, one of the big points that had gone on when it was discussing Dak's contract extension this offseason was was well, you don't know what coach is coming in here, and maybe that coach doesn't want that Dak Prescott. And my whole thing has been. Your new coach isn't picking your quarterback. I think your quarterback's going to be a part of picking your new coach. And so regardless of whether that should be done, I think Dak Prescott's going to have a big say in maybe not Jason's return because I think the Joneses are realizing like that decision's just got to come down to them. But the but next guy coming right in here now, is going to be... But I'm telling you right mm-hmm. now, Dak has told me before, go easy on my guy, JJ. I know, and that's why... He's I th- a huge that's fan why I think th- That's why I think the Joneses are... I think the Joneses are reaching a point where they know that this is the decision that they have to make. We we talked about that with Charles Robinson a couple weeks ago, that it, it feels like some of these bigger decisions, Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper's contract, Jason Garrett's contract, they are pushing these off as long as they can because I think they are such tough internal decisions for them in terms of what they want to do. And then oddly enough, you get like Zeke, a guy that isn't coming up for two years and they knock it out. And Jalen, a guy that's not coming up for two years and they knock it out. I I think that they're really, I think the fact that he even got into a lame duck year says they're really genuinely considering he may not be the guy long term. But I'm saying consider the possibilities they can't find somebody that, what, 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 that you, hits all the pros list that me, Jason does. Give me a percentage of what you think, a percentage of Jason Garrett's the head coach week one next year. Because I would say 5%. Me too. 5%. If they go and win. Well, just from right now. But the, they're not, oh, but from right just, now. Just from at this moment, what would you say the odds are? Right now, 20%. Okay. And really? if, they, if, if they get to the NFC title game, I'll bump my five from Five to ten. I'll go sixty-five. Ooh, okay. See, okay. I, th- I think if they get to an NFC title, I think they got to get to a Super Bowl. I just think it's, it's awfully weird guy. as we're discussing that Jerry listens to this and listens to that. We're saying he might not give enough authority to a coach to have real muscle here, but he'll give it to Dak Prescott. He's giving I, I, it to twenty-six-year-olds. No, but I'm saying it's it's to the locker room that. He, if he is a true walkabout coach, which is what a lot of people have said that Jason is, he's, sure. he's a CEO manager of the team. Yep. If there's still a vote of confidence from his employees, that they still want to go and maximize their goals, meet their quotas because of their fearless leader. Isn't that a guy that you want in there? I thought, I think this is a good week to feel this way because they just beat uh, a, a good Rams team. They spanked him and Garrett pushed some right buttons, except for the coin flip, the, the, the cut-up video last week, the Saturday night speech, all, all the that stuff. players saying their coach got them prepared to play. 100%. But but the inmates can't run the asylum. The, the, co- the players shouldn't get a vote. Otherwise, you have anarchy. I agree with you on all merits. My only point is, in, in the if, if you had told me Sean Payton, give me the option of Sean Payton and Jason Garrett, right. that's clear-cut for me. Right. Bill Belichick, Jason Garrett, clear-cut for me. You put Ron Rivera, you put Mike McCarthy, you put Lincoln Riley, uh, Lincoln Riley, Matt Rule, right. Urban Meyer, even for that matter, Urban on Meyer. the table. <sighs> I go back to the devil that you know. Okay, but it's, but, uh, it's time, barring a barring massive success this year, which you could build on for the future. It's time. It's time. This marriage cannot be saved. Now, now here's the a, love. The love. The, the love is on the surface. They've drawn up the divorce papers. Yep. But I feel like they're having second thoughts. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Okay. And if someone who's been married, Jane, you, you, I, I don't know what your story is in your relationship with your Fitbit. Your, I don't know what. You, <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. I was going to say, you, th- you think Ian's report about Rapport like that to Jason felt like he saw Jerry's Fitbit spike in at four in the morning. <laughs> and he was like, I, what is this? I am never going to live this down. Now, were you on the cover of People Magazine or am I overrating <laughs> it a little bit? She was no. Times Person of the Year. Gosh, Gosh her with her Fitbit. Uh, but, but I do know this. Don't remarry your ex-spouse. Oh, I agree. So once you know, and the Joneses know, they know it's time. That don't make the mistake of remarrying their spouse. I just don't, I just don't know if they want to get back out there on the dating scene. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. 
Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Here, here's, here's my question. <laughs> Bringing back another Dallas it's easier, Mavericks. It's easier when you've got another lady you're going to move on to. Bringing back another Dallas Mavericks analogy, for which for those of you who don't follow the Mavericks, which I'm sure we have lots of Cowboys fans who don't sure. follow the Mavericks, well. the Mavericks' reputation for years has been, oh, Chris Paul might come here. Uh, never mind, Chris Paul's not coming here. Oh, DeAndre yeah. Jordan, no, never mind. And, and LeBron the, might. He's that, a Cowboys that, fan. LeBron, I take some of the blame for that. It, DallasBasketball.com. Go ahead. Just, just in Shameless general, plug. though, <laughs> that, just in general, that's the way it's gone. So even though we like to talk about the finest things, yeah. It, if if they are making a coaching search at the end of it, the, is there a possibility that then it's oh Urban Meyer, Lincoln Riley? No, actually it's Jack Del Rio. No, actually it's Dan Campbell. No, John Fox. actually it's John Fox. Yeah. Is that a possibility? Okay, all I know is uh, relating that to what Jane just said. If the reason that Jason Garrett is brought back, and he knows it's the reason, is we couldn't find anybody better. That's what happened last year. I know, but but Garrett had a contract at the time. There was no reason for Garrett to. To, to, at $5 million, what's he going to do? Get his feelings too hurt? But I don't want to be where you don't want me. I agree. They don't want Jason Garrett back bad enough. Fair enough. But do you not think that he's invested enough in these guys? Here's what I think. If I was, if I was Jason Garrett's agent, I'd start firing out warning shots. So would I. You already, you already felt like it with the Giants. They no? did, they, which they did do. They fired out a warning right. shot. And everybody laughed at it, by the way. I'd start Cleveland because he's got family in Ohio. Yep. You know, that might be interesting. He's got young guys like Baker Mayfield and, and you know, the Jarvis Lander. They need a little, they need to be settled there. OBJ, you know, you've got reports of players telling Cliff Kingsbury, come get me. Yeah. You know, last weekend, you got Carolina. Redskins. You got Redskins. Can you imagine losing Jason Garrett to Red, Dan Snyder? Redskins to me, like I've said, that would make the most sense in the world because that's a team that needs a Jason Garrett. That's an organization that needs a steady hand that can deal with all sorts of personnel. They need I think to go. the Giants would be the perfect landing spot. That's a good – of I, course I they Giants, love him, and that part of that story is true. And he could handle the media there because he's not going to give you any material. And The beauty of the Redskins is if they went 8-8, eight and eight, he, they'd throw him a parade. They'd yeah. put him up in the old ring of – the old would. RFK ring of honor. Uh, but Dan Snyder's a Jerry Jones type owner or, or an aspiring type. Yeah. yeah. Expiring for 25 years. He's yes. aspired to be Jerry Jones. But as Orlando Scandrick will tell you, the facilities just don't match. <laughs> Cole Beasley said they were great. <laughs> that was the goals. I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just hesitant to think that the Cowboys can't do better. And I'm hesitant to think that they, they haven't done better for nine but, but, years. But here, here, here's, the, here's the point that I and I, we had. I don't think I've said this on the air yet. I know we've had this and I've made this point to you off air when we've talked about it. Is that if you would have asked Jerry or even just your average Cowboys fan, is Doug Peterson a difference maker when he got hired in Philly? Yeah, they would have laughed and said, that's not a guy to take you to a Super Bowl. And then he did it. And right. he took a team that was missing stars. I don't think thinking that you aren't sure if he's better than it's Jason is enough of a reason. player in the organization, reason. though, too. Sure, right. but, uh, but people made you know they do this in Philadelphia a lot. You, like you've we got do another here. former player in the organization who's saying the guy's not going to done anymore, basically, in Troy Aikman they, and they, a guy who's his friend. They had in Philadelphia. They had Andy Reid, and they had you know Fat Guy Fridays, and everybody gets to eat a burrito. <laughs> then comes so wrong Chip Kelly. Yeah, Chip Kelly, and he says we're getting rid of Fat Guy Friday burritos. We're going to have protein shakes on Tuesday, and that's your college guy and his system. And how well did that do in the NFL? And now here comes a new guy. So there are no magical answers. I agree. There almost are no magical guys. It's why you you see over the course of fifty years when I have a taskmaster as a coach, then he gets fired. He's replaced by an avuncular Wade Phillips guy. Then in four years he gets fired. He's replaced by a scholarly guy. Then in four years he gets fired. And we go back to the taskmaster. Okay, but Fisher, can we agree that while the window has been closing for years now, we are entering the fifth season of Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott and sort of this new era of Cowboys. 
is it fair to say that the Cowboys, in Jerry's mind, and the coach that he hires, or whether he says Jason, need to get a Super Bowl done within a two-year span? Or the next coach would get fired? I'm just, saying just that's what he's hiring before, for. Yeah, just in general. That's the type of coach like he's hiring for. That's the type of for. window that Jerry's looking at is two years. Yeah, Jerry started saying this now about five years ago right. at training camp. But he go, it was the first time I heard him say it. Uh, Miss James ain't got time to have a bad time. And I turned it into a country song. Ain't that. got time to have a bad time. It's perfect. But that was five years ago. He was 72. Now he's 77. Mm-hmm. I guess he's got a little but, less time. But my point is less about Jerry's time and more about one of you, what does he always say his biggest regret is with Tony Romo and them? He wasted their youth. He wasted their years. You can't get so, in a fifth, but, but sixth, I, seventh, I, and eighth but I think seasons with the, Dak. That's and, the thing, though. I think that I think Jason right now, Jason's position in the organization may feel a little bit at this point to them like we're wasting Zeke and Dak's youth. But he could potentially get them into the playoffs again. And, he, and as Jerry has said, he's just, what, three years removed from Coach of the What's Year? What's new, though? What's new? I'm not about saying that? I agree with all this, but I'm giving you all of. The, when he talks about that legal pad and the pros and cons, yeah. these are all the pros on Jason's side, and there's a lot of cons on the. I don't know what I'm getting from some of these other guys. Yeah, but here's so, the biggest. The biggest con on Jason Garrett is this. No, that's only when Isaiah Thomas talks to Tristan Hill. <laughs> it's out of gas. It's out of gas with the public. It might be out of gas with the public, but was it out of gas with the players when they beat the Rams? Not this week, but it was out but of it, gas. But it, the last but it was three. in. It was against Buffalo, Chicago, and Minnesota. Okay, but let's see where the, if if they if they use that steam from Jason Garrett to go and win a divisional championship. They, they, can you still walk away from? I'm just saying. Can Jerry then here, walk away and say, "I'm going to go with the here's, unknown"? Here's, here's what I would have said. That, here's what I'll say: is that if you look at last year when they were sitting at three and five, if I would have thrown out the scenario and said. What if Jason can get them to 10 and 6? What if Jason can get them to win a home playoff game? What if Jason can get them to the divisional round? Wouldn't you have then thought, well, then, yeah, I think Jerry's going to sign him to an extension. Right. And they didn't do it. They flirted. They and, went and, and flirted so with another girlfriend. Their, their, their bar is much higher with him this deep into it, I think. And, I also, and they, they, they need different results. This concept that we wasted Tony Romo's time is based on Jerry's belief that Tony Romo is Tom Cruise, the greatest flyer pilot of all time. They didn't waste Tony Romo's time they did their best people yeah. do that to the mavericks too boy they wasted dirk davisky no they didn't they won a championship and they tried to win 10 others what do you want them to do it just didn't work the cowboys did everything they could for tony romo and i hope he did almost everything he could for them me, almost get, so we've we've asked just about everybody this recently like give me your name who, who throw me a name that you think Head coach, 2020 week one. The reason that Urban Meyer is attractive to me is not because he's not a loon, because he is. He's a loon. Uh, the, the reason that Urban Meyer is attractive to me is he, he won't come here and say, here's my 12 guys that I'm hiring. Here's my staff. He won't come here and say, Jerry, get out of my way. I know how to do the NFL. He'll need Jerry. He'll need Steven. He'll need Will McClay. And when they tell him, we'd sure like you to keep Columbo, Kellen, and Chris – He'll say, fine, I've, I've known those guys for years because he probably has. Whereas if you hire Matt Rule or interview Matt Rule, like the Jets did last year, Matt Rule is going to say, well, I'd love the job. Here's my 15 guys I'm bringing. Which is why Matt Rule didn't take the Jets' that's job. That's correct. Exactly. And I admire him for that. Mm-hmm. And that's going to happen this year, too. If the NFL team, he's going to say, I, I'm going to leave these three at Baylor. I'm taking these 10. Could, couldn't that name also be then with those stipulations? Because this is the name I keep wondering about. And I have no clue. Couldn't that name also fit Bob Stoops? Yes. It's weird that he would... He's here in Dallas But why, why did he bother going to the XFL? I think he was signaling in general to people that he was ready to go back to coaching. See, I'm more on, I'm more on Fisher's side. I feel like Urban needs them more than they need him right now, even. But in it would, but it would check even, boxes even, for But him. even he admits he's kind of worn out his welcome on the college ranks. And he's talked about how intriguing this NFL deal is for him and the cow i mean he is openly politicking for this job yes i also believe that because he has relationships with ezekiel elliott that jalen smith is one of his guys he tried recruiting him he back through dan mullen right yep and so i feel like he'd be the disciplinarian of sorts that you would want to come in here and has skins on the wall I, I would bet. I would bet with how young this team is and how many blue chip players they have. I bet Urban Meyer knows the vast majority of players on this roster. I bet you that, that he's met their families and he knows them really well. I bet you knows the vast majority of every player on every roster. Yeah, 
in the NFL today. But especially a team like Dallas where Will McClay has always prioritized big school players. Right. So my point is, is if that if, if they were going to legitimately move on, mm-hmm. that's the one that makes the most sense to me. But I also feel like it would be a short-term relationship. Probably. But that's okay. Because then maybe Sean's done right. after four or five years in New right. Orleans. Come in here, Barry Switzer your Super Bowl, and get out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey, let's have Tom Landry be here for 30 years. That's dead. The, the other thing about Unless Urban Meyer is... Yeah. Do you guys agree that Cowboy fans, some of them are always going to go, oh, I'm still pining for Coach Landry? Yes, but I also think that Cowboys fans don't seem to understand that, and, and he's not a bad guy at all, so I don't mean this. But Jason Garrett's not just like the Boy Scout. Like, he, like that's what he puts out. But Jason Garrett will cuss and scream yeah. at people. Since and they, the only guy that actually got this done, why hasn't there been a concerted effort to just go to Jimmy and say, Jimmy, what that was would, the secret sauce? Yeah, I would, uh, that wouldn't work ever the, the, the relationship obviously isn't good. Um, in fact, I bet you my relationship with Jimmy's better than the Joneses really is down deep, and that ain't saying much. But I, I thought they'd mended fences. You know, f- 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 fake. For, for TV interviews. Handshake. <laughs> I would love it. And listen, Jimmy, if you're listening, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't want to get sued, hey, and hey, I'm hey, just kidding. Michael, Michael Bennett listens, apparently, so yeah, maybe no Jimmy doubt. listens. You're awesome, Jimmy. <laughs> awesome sauce. If I was the Joneses, for public relations pers- uh, reasons at least, I'd hire Jimmy Johnson as a consultant, and then I'd really listen to him. That's my point. It, I, I'm with you. It would look great, and he would sound great. And he really does know what he's doing. Jimmy, like I say, Merry Christmas. <laughs> go go call. Uh, you want to go pull somebody out of the booth like you did with Parcells a few years back? Go call Bill Cower. Go call Tony Dungy. Just no. throw, throw out the field. Tony Dungy is a lovely person. Yeah, I, Tony is. I do think it's unfortunate, though, that Troy and Jerry can't sit down and talk because I do think there's some merits to some of Troy's arguments. I mean, his broadcasts have been pretty matter of fact. And yep. he did give them credit where they were where credit was due yesterday. He also talked about the fact that if they catch some steam and some momentum here, momentum here he does believe that this is a team that could do some pretty incredible things. All right, I'll tell you this. The reason they're not going to sit down to lunch, among the other, many others, is this is what one person who would... Well, just go watch Football Life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, one person who would be at that lunch, if they had it, said they already know what each of them thinks. Mm. Jerry already knows what Aikman thinks. He says it every Sunday. Aikman knows already what Jerry thinks. Jerry's doing it every Sunday for 25 years. And, and, and not to say that I, I, I don't think those two have a bad relationship at all. Like Jerry and Troy are still. I, I think Jerry respects I, I mean, a level of honesty as long as it's fair. Well, and, and I mean, like I said, Don Van Notta said that a couple weeks ago, said that Troy is one of the few people Jerry really does listen to. Jerry may not like take his advice on like who's going to hire. But I mean, I, I think Jerry does still okay, respect. Let, can, let me interject Troy. this. I, their, their relationship is not what you would like it to be. You, you dream of mommy and daddy staying married and they're not married. Well, he talked. Know. Well, if you watch again, football life, Troy very candidly talked about how he concussions was one thing, but it was also, he was sort of tired of the way that Jerry was running the organization. And he almost came out of the booth to go play for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Um, see, I think Jerry wishes that Troy would be a loyal cowboy. And like Troy, Michael Irvin. Like Michael. It, it, that's, exactly, that's exactly what they would say if they were sitting here. That's exactly what Aikman thinks. That's exactly what Jerry thinks. Neither one of them are wrong, but Aikman's like, I can't do that. That's not my job. And Jerry's like, but I've, but I've been loyal to you. Can't you be loyal to me? So that, there's a separation that exists there. It's, it's not the reason that Troy Aikman will never be the general manager of the Cowboys because uh, even if they got along great, he would never be the general manager of the Cowboys because he would need Jerry to step way aside. He would want to take charge of the football operations. He would want to hire his own right-hand man who has more experience than him. Will McClay would therefore say, well, what's my role? I'm not, I'm not staying here. All right. I don't, I, I already got two guys above me. Now I got five. So that, that marriage, I'm sorry, little junior and little sissy, but mommy <laughs> and daddy are not getting back together. Troy and Jerry ever. Story time with fish. Fish, I could have you on this podcast for hours at a time. We hope that you'll come back. <laughs> well, I missed three radio shows while I was doing your uh, Did you your really? Look oh, at that. No. That was so kind of I you. Know. All right. Well, we look forward to uh, revisiting with you again on the subject of the Cowboys and the drama that has unfolded over the years since you are such a historian of sorts. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we'll talk about this uh, Cowboys win over the Eagles and then them getting into the playoffs 
on our next podcast. And then again, we'll continue to kick around the future of Jason Garrett here in Dallas. Yes. And again, uh, as we uh, mentioned last week, thanks to uh, our friends at Rode for the uh, Roadcaster Pro that we recorded this on today. Mm-hmm. And this is an Ashley Madison account that they've opened. They're looking for a <laughs> ah, I, I do. I know what that is, too. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.